Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Welcome to another edition of the Bike Radar Podcast. I'm your host, Simon von Bromley, and today I'm joined by two of Bike Radar's Absolute superstars. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Deputy editor Jack Luke and senior, no, senior technical editor Tom Marvin. He's nodding. How are you doing, boys? You guys all right? Yeah, I'm terrific. Thank you, Simon. Thank you for your generous and warm introduction. Now, everyone likes to talk about what they got right. But today, we're going to lay our cards on the table and take a specific look at what we got wrong with our tech predictions for the year 2023. Every year we do a kind of series of, you know, tech predictions for the year ahead. We cover gravel, road and mountain biking. You know, we just kind of take a a look into our crystal balls and try and predict what we think are going to be some of the key trends in those disciplines for the year ahead. Uh, And, you know, we never normally come back and review them. And I thought of stealing an idea from The Athletic, who is a very good football (laughs) podcast, it would be a good idea to come back and take a look at what we got wrong. So let's start with gravel, as that is the hottest discipline <laughs> in all of cycling right now and uh, jack you're our resident gravel expert mm. um what do you think we got wrong with our gravel predictions in 2023 well coming in with a bang gonna dive straight in and you know have a go at the big boss george scott <laughs> <laughs> he predicted that gravel bikes will divide and, and, and in essence he was predicting that in 2020 uh, three, we'd see more divergence between gravel bike categories. There's long always been, you know, gravel bikes which serve different purposes, and that is absolutely true. But our sort of prediction was more centered on the idea of brands and perhaps the wider public giving more categories, or rather defining gravel bikes into more specific categories. Now, don't roll your eyes. 
You know, we always like to joke about things being too niche or too specific, but there is, you know, admittedly not a massive, but a genuine problem with gravel bike categorization. We've talked about this previously in a podcast with Warren. There's a good article about this on site. But, you know, if you were a lay rider coming into cycling and you saw something like a BMC Caius, very go fast gravel bike, and then, I don't know, a surly ghost grappler, by name, those are both still gravel bikes, but they, they aren't. They, they serve very, very different purposes. And our prediction was that the industry would, would kind of take account for that and give perhaps slightly silly new names for, uh, for gravel bike characters. And it hasn't happened. You know, we see little twinklings of it now and then, but there's no, like, consensus. And consensus is never reached through, like, committee. You know, we don't have, like, Specialized and Trek and Giants sitting down and going, like, we are going to call lightweight mountain bikes Lightweight. You know what I mean? There's, there is no consensus in that regard. But something like Downcountry came out from being lightly used into a real like standalone category in itself in mountain bikes. And in gravel cycling, we've really not seen any of that yet. And so we got that wrong. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting one. You know, if you look at road bikes, for example, we tend to have kind of, you know, race bikes, endurance bikes, and maybe aero road bikes. I think in gravel, I think the kind of the category names you know, are still up for grabs, really, aren't mm. they? Now, as, as, as you kind of mentioned there, Warren uh, penned, a, 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 you know, a, a really interesting feature earlier this year, kind of saying what he thought we should call the kind of, you know, burgeoning categories that we're seeing, you know, and, and you know, you could call it race gravel bike, adventure gravel bike, you know, those, those kind of things. But yeah, you, I think I think you're right with the industry, you know, when they're you know, contacting us with press releases for their new bike, yep. you know, they don't say this is our new aero gravel bike or our new, you know, adventure bike packing gravel bike or whatever, you know, like, and, you know, specifically re recently, Free T sent us a press release for their mm. Extrema Italia, which they said was a bike packing race bike, yeah. you know, <laughs> like an aero gravel bike bike packing so like i think they just you know i, I in, a, in a way i suppose it's kind of interesting that the industry doesn't feel beholden to any kind yeah. of categories there are no uh you know tropes that they feel that they need to stick to you know for an endurance road bike must have a, a shorter reach and a higher stack than a race bike yeah. for example brands are just kind of doing what they want to serve their customer the way they think is best but yeah it does lead to confusing situations for consumers definitely and this sounds a bit gatekeeperish. i don't mean it in this way the best way to establish what is the best gravel bike or any bike for you is to do your research and understand what goes into making a bike. Simplifying that, it's really mostly down to the geometry. Components are more broadly shared across all different types of road or gravel or mountain bikes. But like really getting to understand what goes into a bike and how it handles is the best way to understand what could be the right bike for you. But that's not very easy for everyone. Not everyone wants to have that investment in being sad tech boys like <laughs> a, a, us three. Um, so I, I think there is, I don't know, it's, we don't want to make a rod for our own backs. We don't want to like create these sort of invented disciplines, if you like. But at the same time, if I was a brand new fresh rider who was like, yeah, I want to get a gravel bike, it could do anything. I think... That a little bit more categorization could be a good thing for riders, but it's not happened yet. So one we got wrong for 2023. And one of the one of the predictions that I thought was interesting was the was Liam's that you know we were all going to be seeing a lot of arguments about the rules, and and you know it, it's fair to say that that had been a big feature of 2022 with you know discussions about you know should aero bars be allowed, for example, was the UCI Gravel World Championships in 2022 a real gravel race, you know, because we saw quite a few people turning up on road bikes for that, for example. 
but actually, I think in 2023, you know, it, it felt to me as a kind of slightly d- detached observer that that didn't really happen. You know, the UCI worlds, other than the kind of you know outrageous lack of coverage of the of the women, I was literally there. about to say <laughs> that was probably the biggest controversy. Um, but I don't you. think there was any arguments there. Everyone agreed that that was outrageous. Well, apart from the UCI, clearly, but well, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Other than, but you know, I think Mohoric was a good winner. The race had plenty of gravel. You know, aero bars were banned at Unbound early on in, in um, 2023. And I think everyone was kind of fine with that. There wasn't really a big backlash. No, no, I wouldn't say so. There's not been like bickering as we imagined it. I think in more like local scenes, my sort of perception, slightly having spoke to Ben Delaney last year when we did this podcast or Gravel Predictions one, is in the US racing scene, there is a bit more friction between like the spirit of gravel and privateers versus pros and what's right and what's wrong and unwritten rules and all that sort of stuff. But I don't think the conversation really moved on significantly from then. And putting our bike radar hats on in the tech world, it's not really been like a standout year for wild tech. There's been really interesting stuff, new Shimano GRX, uh, like new group sets from SRAM, sort of slightly cheaper stuff, but there's not been anything wild in terms of gravel tech this year that's that set the comments ablaze i mean tom marvin tried to stir up controversy with his um classified hub saying that two by derailers uh, sorry two by front derailers should be classified to the bin uh, <laughs> <laughs> but i think that was about as controversial as gravel tech got in 2023 what, what, do, you, what do you think tom am i missing anything <sighs> spring is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. From the world of gravel tech? No, I don't think so. I think just the continuation of the development of of the genre. You know, we've seen, I guess some would argue that SRAM's introduction of the of the Rudy was a step change in 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 gravel tech, but it was only because they're like the biggest brand out there kind of doing it, you know. It's, I, it's I, I don't necessarily machine. I don't necessarily think so because we I predicted last year <laughs> that gravel suspension tech wouldn't really go mainstream and that I, I said this again last year. My my perception from Bristol, southwest of England I don't see anyone on suspension gravel bikes really, apart from Tom Marvin chipping around on his lauf. That doesn't count. Beyond that, 
like really it's, it's not taken off in a significant no, way. I mean, certainly no one rode a suspension, any type of suspension mm. fork at the, the Gravel World Championships, road for road example. <laughs> well, well, actually, to be fair, I don't think that, that no, many people didn't. did ride road bikes this year. You know, we saw obviously Mohoric won aboard the, the new Merida Silex, which was, you know, kind of intentionally leaked, shall we say. Um, you know, looking at kind of events and around, like, uh, you know, I know that Dylan Johnson, who... Yeah, has a, has quite a good YouTube channel uh, and is a very good racer. Does does has been competing in the Lifetime Grand Prix in the US. Has ridden a hardtail uh, factor mountain bike with a suspension fork and drop bars in some of those races where he has felt that that's been the optimal solution. But I think generally, you know, most people are are not are not doing that. Yeah, that's all I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, you know, I, th- I think you know for the most part we got most of the gravel predictions right in that case. So let let's just move swiftly on to mountain bike. And and Tom, you know, I think I don't really know too much about mountain biking, but I would have predicted as well, just like Alex, that Shimano would have released a new Di2 mountain bike group set uh, in 2023. But it did not happen. You know, where is it? Why, Tom? What's going on? Tell us, tell us, tell us. Well, yeah, I think uh, Alex. Uh just got the names of the brands the wrong way around because obviously what we did see <laughs> in early 2023 was uh SRAM come out with Transmission which was uh, a development on their on their access wireless group sets but yeah I think it was a fair prediction to assume that what four four years on from uh, the previous iteration of XJR being launched that we would see uh, a box fresh version of their top flight uh, drivetrain but we didn't um I think there's potentially a number of reasons for this. Probably largely, um, you know, during the the COVID saga, um, Shimano was sort of well known for having issues with supply and production. So I very strongly imagine this has hampered the introduction of a new uh, drivetrain from them. Uh, there's nothing been announced. There's nothing been released. There are rumours flying about. I would say that uh, if Al had written his prediction 20, uh, 12 months later he might be in with a shout although i actually reckon 2025 is when we might see a new xtr i'd be surprised if we see it this year Do you think i should just resubmit was... his copy at yeah. the end of december 2024 i should just resubmit his copy word for word yeah It'd make his job a bit easier um but yeah, I, I suspect we'll see we might see a, like an announcement in 2024 but I, I doubt we'll be getting hold of any until 2025 um shimano are well known for announcing things and then uh actually not being available for a long time and i wouldn't I think that's that a fair assessment <laughs> with XTR. um i think when we do see it, it is going to be there is going to be wireless um or semi-wireless elements to it it wouldn't surprise me at all at the top end of mountain biking outside of xc racing like sram really has sort of stolen the market it seems certainly in terms of the the discussions that go on the new transmission is very good um, and I'd be surprised if they weren't going to be itching to take back some of that market. Although I, I suspect actually as well from a, you know, in terms of all that revenue, they probably make a hell of a lot more money from the likes of Qs and their lower end drivetrains than they do from the top flight stuff. I, mean, so, I was going to, I was going to dive in there just to be a pedant. We did technically have some new mountain bike stuff from Shimano with Qs, which is a more all encompassing drivetrain family designed to take up a lot of its lower end stuff. So Acera, Altus, Tiagra on the roadside uses this sort of all-encompassing thing and we're seeing it quite a lot now on cheaper hardtails but it's it's nothing new in terms of tech there are interesting elements to it but it's more like mm, like 10 speed dior than anything else 
at the top end of Shimano, you know, I will stress that none of us know anything about it. And generally in the run up to big launches, and it's true of like T-Type, for example, there could be anything up to 12 months of sneaky leaks and little cheeky teasers on the race circuit. Nothing from Shimano, genuinely nothing. Like even sniffing around patents, which is one of my favorite hobbies <laughs> of all time. Uh, there's just nothing to be found. So I'm going to, I'm going to, back Tom up and say I think 2025 feels more realistic to me. Maybe maybe Shimano will play a blinder and it'll have stuff out there already. But I think <laughs> I think it's probably quite distracted with the crank set issue on the roadside, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I think it will be 2025 for new mountain bike stuff. From do, do we think that SRAM's T-type transmission has moved the ball enough to maybe send Shimano back to the drawing board a bit? No, no way. I think Shimano will run work to such long lead. To, like, I've no doubt that, you know, the Santa Cruz product manager who's listening to our wonderful podcast probably knows absolutely every detail about this and bikes, components, whatever. It takes so long to manufacture um, and if, like, say, it is I'm just speculating, but like, let's say it had a, a UDH like crazy design feature, which meant it wasn't compatible with old bikes. If there's anything like that, or even boring stuff like clearances, I've got some good chat on this in a second. But stuff like clearances, like they will have known about this years ago to accommodate it in frame designs. On that point, I, I found this good tech document a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to buy some cues stuff to put on our tandem. And I wanted to know something to do with chain ring spacing. And someone had shared on Reddit this amazing document. I say amazing, this makes me sound so sad. It was like <laughs> 250 pages long of just technical drawings, basically, of Shimano stuff. Because if you're building, yeah, like 40,000 hardtails or something, you want to know with bloody absolute certainty where the bottom bracket and the chain rings are going to go and how they kind of interact with one another. Those documents will exist somewhere already for Shimano's next mountain bike group set. So I think 2025. Tom's right. All right. Well, what else, Tom? What else did the mountain bike tech team get wrong for their 2023 predictions? Well, I mean, it'd be easy for me to jump in here and say uh, I got everything right in my predictions, which I did. <laughs> um, so we won't talk about my prediction, but it's a sad one because it was it was about the state of the industry and how things have been tough and, uh, and aren't getting any easier. But we'll gloss over that because uh, nobody likes a bad news story at the start of the year. So what I will do is I will uh, go to my uh, my boss, Rob Weaver's prediction. Suspension. <laughs> oh, everyone, you know, you, Jack slain George, you're slain Rob. <laughs> <laughs> um Obviously, there's been a lot of uh, new electronics um, over the past couple of years, mostly centered around SRAM because they are very sort of active in that arena. Um, flight attendant, uh, shock whiz, tire whiz, all that sort of stuff. But also, you know, companies like Mondraker, um, they have their mind telemetry system. Um, and there are quite a few telemetry sort of options out there if you if you want to go real testing. Um and Rob sort of kind of felt that we were going to see more and more of this over 2023. The reality is we kind of didn't. Um, it feels like Mind is sort of maybe not as popular. You know, it was appearing on lots of their models in their trail and enduro bikes range, and that's sort of decreasing a little bit. Um, and we haven't really seen much else in the way of electronic gizmos on suspension or in tyres or anything like that. So... Um, yeah, that sort of never really came to pass. And to be honest, I, I'm i sort of always split on this. 
when I see people getting angry in comments about there shouldn't be any batteries on their bikes, I sort of think, well, actually, uh, you know, like your wireless transmission is really bloody good and it works really well. But at the same time, I'm not sort of the kind of person who wants to be sticking a computer processor to my bike. Um, so I'm not too upset about the fact that things haven't moved on too far. Also, it just means there's a whole new load of stuff that we've got to learn about. Uh, and my Says the man who is getting in a bit of a huff when Zoom wasn't loading prior <laughs> to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be able to not go out on your bike because it isn't loading, do you? Uh, years no. ago, I remember when I installed the SRAM uh, eTap app and <laughs> posted a screenshot like, sorry, can't come and ride my derailers updating. <laughs> People absolutely <laughs> lost their minds. Tom, you've one thing you've slightly glossed over. I'm, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. You what about like KS Lev's automatic suspension stuff that we saw Pidcock using, and also I have forgotten uh, Fox Live Valve. There, you know, yeah, there, I mean, there is a little been, bit more. There's been some subtle sort of hints at stuff coming. I mean, I don't think the SR Suntour stuff is live yet. Like, as in, I don't. Sorry, Suntour, you're right. I said KS Lev. Yes, carry on. Oh, sorry. Yes, SR Suntour. It's not. It's not available yet. Although it's it's in development, which is cool. Um, Live Valve did see like a recent update to its uh, functionality. I suspect we're going to see an actual a proper overhaul of it quite soon. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if next year we see a little bit more coming from SRAM. So kind of much like Alex's predictions, um, I sort of think uh, Rob could probably do a, a copy and paste job uh, for <laughs> this year's uh, predictions. Um, well, those I, I two listening to that podcast, they're not allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> we can't. Can I? Can I? Maybe I'll copy and paste it and just change a few words. Go to ChatGPT <laughs> uh, and just ask them to rewrite it. Yeah, I suspect maybe again, it's one of those ongoing predictions, much like sort of the gravel prediction of we're going to see more suspension, we're going to see more diversification in in genres within gravel, all that sort of stuff. I think this is like a an ongoing ongoing slow process rather than you know like big step changes year on year. Hmm. Okay. Interesting stuff. Well, let's move on to the road. And and I think the you know the first one that we'll talk about. Uh, you know, I was per this wasn't one of my predictions, but I was personally sad to see that Aero road bikes just didn't really make a comeback. You know, there wasn't a new Venge. We didn't get a new Cannondale System Six. And the truth is that all rounder bikes like the Specialized Tarmac SLA, the Ridley Falcon, the Cannondale Super Six, the Pinarello Dogma F kind of really dominated the year. And um, I think, yeah, I, I, maybe, I think, presumably these brands think that consumers just don't want heavy bikes. I just people think people don't want heavy bikes. Like, we, we talk about this endlessly. Like, lightweight is a perceptible change between two different bikes. People understand it. I feel like it's funny because you could say like a lightweight climbing bike is just every bit as specialist in terms of performance as an aero bike. People just don't, this sounds really patronizing. Like I don't mean it like this, but like people just don't get it. They don't get the advantage. You have to be really invested in being a nerd to get aero. So I'm not surprised personally to have not seen aero bikes, even though I know it makes you very sad, Simon, which is enough to make me woeful. <laughs> it's enough to make you sad as well, by, by empathy. Exactly. Do you miss aero bikes, Tom? <laughs> yeah, big time. Actually, I do. I <laughs> They're amazing. I love like deep tubes and thick wheels and everything looking like super slick and fast. I love it. What's your favorite aero bike, Tom? Venge. All oh, right. Okay. You actually had an answer. We thought we were going to sort of like hoodwink you there with that one. Hey, you really, uh... I keep I keep my fingers in my pies. Don't you worry. I know what I'm talking <laughs> about. <laughs> yeah, and and so I, I think 
I, I hope we might see a new Cannondale System 6 next year. You know, I was looking back um, recently and I think we first spotted that bike at the Tour Down Under in 2018. Wow. Um, and so, you know, it's getting on a bit. Um, and obviously Cannondale has released an updated uh, Super 6 uh, recently and, you know, has released a new Synapse recently. And so, this, you know, they haven't said, you know, like Specialized did when it released the Tarmac SL7, it officially told everyone, you know, yeah, that's it, Venge is gone. Um, and we haven't had that from Cannondale. So I'm hopeful. But, yeah. you know, considering the way the Propel has gone, for example, the Propel, but you know, got a bit lighter. Yeah. You know, I would, I would, I would dearly love... The would dearly love Cannondale to bring out something, you know, like the kind of Cervelo S5, you know, the Orbea Orca, yeah, and the Madone, you know, the Ribble Ultra SLR, something a bit, a bit, you know, wild and, and crazy, mm. you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess kind of watch this space. The fact that they haven't said they're not going to, you know, make, makes me feel hopeful. Um, I, I think just thinking about the Pon group who own Cannondale, is that right? They yes. own Cervelo. Yeah, they own Cervelo as well. I was going to say, like, they clearly... Own both. They, yeah, Ooh, do they? That's enough. Pond Group, CSG. You have a look. You fact check me while I say it. I'm just yeah. going to say that the appetite is clearly there. Yeah, you're right. The, the appetite is there to take risks with bike design. I think they're probably more likely to go for something a bit wild. Also, Cannondale as a brand are quite, they're not risk adverse, I would say. I think they're probably more likely to um, go for an aerobike. You could say the same of Specialized, but I feel like Cannondale is quite a popular brand with racers as well. If you want to become like a road cycling influencer, you need to have an aluminium Cannondale. Like it is it's par for the course. I think going with a really rad aero bike with them would go would go well. And just on one of the bikes you mentioned there, the Ribble Ultra, what a mad bike for that brand to have developed. Like really, I I, like a, a B2B, not B2B, B2C consumer direct uh, brand developing a crazy aero bike is not what I anticipated from them. That said, I know we've had a couple of them. I've only ever actually seen one in the two in the wild actually riding around Bristol. I wonder how many of them they sold, you know. Yeah, it's a really tricky one because I've I've ridden it and you'd think on paper I'm the perfect customer for it because you know, I go on about aero all the time, but you know, the actually like, would I actually buy one? Like the problem is I don't actually race anymore. You know, mm. so I don't need a bike that is that specialized. And, you know, I want to have a, you know, so I own a giant TCR because I can take it apart, you know, do everything on it myself. I can, I can ride it around Bristol with, you know, my friends and it's fast yeah. enough and I can take it to the Lake District, you know, where, where my parents live and I can, you know, ride up and down the kind of windy, steep mountains there and it and it you know performs really well and it can kind of do everything you know it's not going to be the fastest in a time trial or in a road race but it kind of does everything well enough and it's competent enough and it's simple enough mm-hmm. that's really good and i and i think you know I, when i reviewed the ultra slr which is the kind of top end one with the really like wild handlebar you know it it was so cool and it was amazing to have and and i was thinking like you know now that the uh, ctt does road bike time trials mm-hmm. much more seriously somebody did a really good video on that yeah, we did, didn't we? Yeah, BikeRadar.com on, on on our YouTube channel, there was an excellent video of the CTT National, Road Bike National TT Championships. The guy was wearing a very wavy shirt. It was very cool. Hosted by one Jack Luke. Oh, sorry, sorry. It was me, wasn't it? I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, do do go watch that. It's very good. If you're, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, it's just time trials, but you know, you're know you not allowed to have aero bars, no kind of solid disc wheels in the rear. You know, I was thinking, oh, I could replace my silly time trial bike with this, and then I can ride this 
when I go riding with my friends and it will be wicked, but then I just didn't want to spend that much money. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, but, but it's kind of like, if you're not a racer, it's a bit like a, it's like having a dedicated hill climb bike, right? If you're not racing it, it's kind of overkill. Mm. So, you know, how many brands sell dedicated hill climb bikes? Well, essentially none, right? You have to, you have to build them yourself. And it's not because they're not, it's not because they're not good or that people don't like them. It's just that they're incredibly niche. Mm. And, and so I think that's why we've seen, you know, brands making all-rounder bikes because as a kind of, on a com- as a commercial prospect, an all-rounder bike just has broader appeal. Yeah. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. I've nothing to add, Simon. You've, <laughs> you've nailed it on the head there. But uh, but fingers crossed we see more wild aerotech. In yeah. And, you know, because obviously for the pros, you know, they don't have to just have one bike. And so I love to see, you know, so, like Yum- Yumbo team, for example, at the Tour de France might ride up, you know, there's a cobbled stage as well, which there was, I think, last year. You know, they they switched between the S5, uh, the Soloist and the R5. And then the P5 time trial bike all within the race. And so seeing teams switch between four different bikes within the race, like for me, that's wicked. You know, I really like to see that. Gives you stuff to write about gives at me, work. Gives me stuff to write about at work, but it's just more interesting. You know, this kind of whole like one bike to rule them all thing. Yeah, like it's a jack of all trades. It'll be like good everywhere. But it's I think it's more fun, you know, to optimize your setup for the race day in it and so i prefer you know i don't i you know i don't i'm not the one investing in carbon molds so it doesn't it's no skin off my nose (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so i hope we see that you know going on to our the next prediction that i think we got wrong you know we didn't and kind of segueing from the tour de france into this we we did see classified i believe at the tour de france but they didn't take a win with the uno x team and Whilst Tom's excellent review of uh, the classified system was posted on Bike Radar this year, I think it's fair to say it hasn't yet taken over the world as Liam predicted. But could this be one that we, or Liam was simply too soon of too soon with Tom? Do you think we'll see more of this system going forward? Uh, I think the end of the road is not in sight for classified system. Uh, I think uh, it's always going to be a slow burner. I don't think it is going to take over the world, even though I think it probably should. Um, but it kind I still, although I think they probably disagree, I think it needs someone like SRAM or Shimano to basically buy them. Like a lot of things when it comes to drivetrain, there is a duopoly in force across road and mountain bikes, uh, and it's always going to make those sort of second-tier brands, whether it's Campagnolo, whether it's classified whether it's trp or micro shift they're always going to be playing second fiddle and never reach the heady heights of actual mass uh, adoption until someone like shamo shimano actually takes hold buys the company uh, and integrates it into their sort of hugely established drivetrain options wow firm <laughs> you got any thoughts on uh, classified tech jack um I'm doubtful. I, I just think, you know, it's taken long enough to get pros off of tubs. Uh, I, I think the idea of them, you know, there's a handful of daring riders who have tasted, you know, tr- tried using the system. I just think it's too much of an unknown for world tour racers to really want to invest in it. I think for everyday writers, it's a bit... Uh, right, writers. <laughs> I've, got psych- I've got bike radar on the mind. For everyday riders, I think it's a bit of a jump to move people away from what they know already, which is pretty good. You know, like the external derailleur drivetrain 
is so far advanced and so with so few disadvantages on road bikes in particular um i just i just don't see it really taking off in a massive way i'm mean, not to discredit the system by all accounts it is very good and i know tom's been very impressed with it but i just don't think it's going to be like a stock option on many if any bikes I would point as well to the likes of like the constant chorus of voices asking for gearboxes on mountain bikes. And while there are options out there, it is by no means a mainstream technology and it's not been adopted by any big brands. I think if that, which has like visible public um, like support, if that can't get off the ground, I think the chance of classified becoming a really big deal in the, the road market is quite low, even if it is a really, really cool bit of tech. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I, I you know, I, I wrote a, a kind of an opinion take on it that basically front derailleurs are just kind of too good for really people to switch to one by on on mass as things stand. I, I think you know there were a few, you know ten or fifteen years ago, you know front shifting. You know, it was okay. It wasn't amazing, but I think as soon as Shimano brought out its kind of holotech chain rings, mm. they really just you know, moved the game forward so much that actually suddenly front shifting was just really good. And then especially with, you know, the, the kind of introduction of electronic shifting following that and a motor-driven front derailleurs, it's just not, it's just not a problem. And it, so it feels like you're kind of having to go out of your way to find a solution to mm. this problem that you could just solve with the existing tech that we already have and you have to pay quite a lot of money for it. Now, you know, if you're buying a new bike, maybe you'd have it on it because it comes spec'd as and it's a little bit cleaner, a little bit more aerodynamic. You like the way it looks. But, you know, as you say, without the kind of help of Shimano or SRAM, is it going to be on many new bikes? Mm. And that, and I think that's going to be the, the, the problem for them. Yes. Do you want to hear a really boring, old man, grumpy forum comment on that? Absolutely. Of course. I, as I mentioned endlessly, my left-hand shifter broke on one of my road bikes, so I run a down-tube shifter uh, on one of them. And let me tell you, front shifting with a down tube shifter is incredible. It's faster, <laughs> I dare say, than uh, index shifting, but a completely impractical solution. Just know that people will be listening to this, though, who grew up with friction shifters going, there was nothing wrong with front shifting back in the day. It was bloody indexing. It ruined it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, let's do our last one. Um, I think you, Ash predicted that Tiagra would become the new 105, but instead we got a 12-speed mechanical Shimano 105 and and actually Tiagra I think is as you said earlier in this podcast it's disappearing it's gone it's dead it's been dead. subsumed by Q's so as I mentioned Q's is the um like all-encompassing mid to low end uh group set and apparently though it wasn't 100% confirmed Tiagra is part of that it is part of that, it is part of that. we can read between <laughs> the lines but we've not seen any drop bar shifters for Q's yet it's been completely focused on flat bars only so we got that wrong. <laughs> yeah, it just is what it is. But I think, you know, it, I think Hughes is a genuinely exciting one. And as this is one of those ones where Tom, as Tom said, Shimano likes to launch things way in advance before you can actually get it. You know, Shimano made this big song and dance about Qs. Well, actually, they didn't make that big a song and dance about it, but we made a big song and dance about we it. We certainly because did. It was a very interesting story, but I haven't seen it yet. So when you get some for your, for your bikes, Jack, I'll be very interested to see what it looks like. I've seen it a few trade shows. Sorry, your bike on like complete bikes. It does basically look like 10 speed Dior, but according to, by all accounts, it's really good. The link glide stuff for like e-bikes and high torque applications, such as riding a big tandem up a big hill, which is exactly what I'm going to be using it for. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for listening. I hope you are enjoying 
your Christmas, as I said earlier. If you do have any comments or questions that are burning in your head, you can send us an email at podcast at bikeradar.com or leave us a comment on one of the articles on site and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. We always love reading your questions and comments. If you haven't already, please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and the new MB UK podcast, which has recently launched, which you can find on your podcast platform of choice. And if you're feeling lovely, leave us a review because we really appreciate it and it helps us reach more avid cyclists. Until next time, thank you very much, Jack, and thank you very much, Tom. Thank you, Simon. That was wonderful. Thank you. Love looking and considering what we got wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and um, yeah, I'll be reading everyone's predictions for 2024 and noting down the ones which I think will probably be wrong. And we'll see you next year. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 